Last week we talked about my favorite subject ever on the planet, which is God. And, and I think, Star, you did a lovely job of really summarizing last week by simply saying that God is all there is. That God is every person, every place, everything, everything that's visible, everything that's invisible. And today we're going to focus in on my second favorite topic on the planet, which is you. Because God is also you. As part of being every person, every place, everything, every situation, visible and invisible, we're right in the middle of it. And so last week, the title of the talk was The Thing Itself, which meant God. This week, the title of the talk is The Way It Works, and God works for us through us. We're using this great book, The Science of Mind, and uh, typically in January every year, and and, uh, no exception this year, we use the first four chapters of this book to get a complete metaphysical understanding of God and life and everything. So so stay tuned. We're we're like a, a third of the way through talking about you. And where I'd like to start talking about you is an experience I had the other night. So I was finishing up with a class and on my way home. And have you ever had one of those days when you kind of felt like you were hungry? You kind of felt like, you know, you'd had dinner, but that was hours ago. And a little snack would just be just right, even though it's kind of later than you should. And in my head, I'm going, oh, I really shouldn't eat anything. But I know. I'll just stop in and get just a little bite at this neighborhood pub, you know, just, you know, a little salad or something, and that'll be fine. So uh, that was fine, but what I hadn't realized, it was a sports bar, and a big game was playing. So here I am kind of trying to wind down from the day when everybody else has had three beers and is kind of winding up for the night. And so it was kind of fun. And initially, I, I was trying to pay a little bit of attention, like, were these teams that I knew and I didn't really? And, and then it was kind of fun just watching them as kind of the spectator, watching the other people in the room really getting off on this football game, and, which I think was televised. I don't even think it was live because it was late at night. So I'm guessing it was something, you know, from previously and they were watching it. And that was a little fun until I started really listening to the commentators. Have you ever really listened to what they're saying when the, uh, the men and women are, are doing whatever sport it is? It's kind of crazy. They're talking about, you know, well, he was traded from this team, and so don't expect too much from him from this season because, you know, who knows what will happen. And this person had a lousy game last week in Tampa Bay, and so don't expect too much from them because they're going through some bad things in their personal lives and all this stuff. <laughs> And I thought, oh my God, how lucky they're not hearing what the people are saying about them. I mean, how would you be like, like to be like a sports hero, like, I, I don't know, like one of those players or Tiger Woods or somebody, and someone runs up and puts one of those, those little headset things in your ear so you're getting ready for your golf swing, and suddenly a little voice says, oh, I wonder how well Tiger will do today. You know, all that personal life stuff is, really has him anxious, and he's been off his game now for months. It'd be like, no way. (laughs) But I want to suggest that we're a little bit like that. I think most of us have a little bit of that, uh, that commentator going on in our own heads, don't we? 
and sometimes it's not even as nice as the men on TV that do it. I mean, occasionally I'll give myself just some really bad advice. Here I am embarking upon something that's wonderful and has intentions and, and, and I'm ready to do it. And the little voice in my head says something like, uh, you know, you haven't even done this before. You're probably not going to be very good at it. Or a little voice might say, oh, this is a lot like that thing that you did a couple years ago. Remember how that went? (laughs) So I think we all, like those people out on the field, have those little bit of commentators going on in our head. And I even found a, a little bit of a joke about it. So we'll try that out. So a spectator at a local basketball match kept up a constant barrage of insults and derogatory remarks directed against one of the referees. Every call the referee made was met with criticism, and every movement of the referee seemed under constant observation. Well, now, at first, the referee chose just to kind of not notice. I mean, when you're caught up in a game, things like that just go by the wayside. But as the criticism escalated, the referee finally could stand it no longer. So he marched over to the sideline, and looking the noisy spectator squarely in the eye, shouted, Look here, I've been watching you mouth off at me for the last 20 minutes. I thought so, said the spectator. I knew you couldn't have been watching what was going on. (laughs) And I think that's true for us, too. I think sometimes we get so wound up in our thoughts about what's going to happen that we're almost not concentrating on the happening. Do you know what I mean? We get so wound up in worrying about what might happen or what should happen or, or what's happened previously that we're not even present in the moment to give it our all, to really give it the 100% it deserves. And so I wonder sometimes in this co-creation thing we have going with God, are we really a player Or are we one of these spectators? Are we more like a commentator? I mean, are we really in the game? Do we have a clear idea of what we want to do, what we want to accomplish? Are we really clear about what our new and improved life would be? Do we have goals? Do we have aspirations? And and I don't even mean they have to be specific and lofty things. I mean, it might be something as straightforward as wanting to be the best parent that we can be. It might be something as straightforward as wanting to be really good in the job that you have right now or wanting to be a decent spouse or or wanting to, uh, to achieve something that, you know, in the grand scheme of things may not seem all that lofty, but are we really on board with it? If we want more love in our lives, do we really know what it looks like to set that up to be successful? Or instead, are we listening to the little voice that said, well, that last relationship didn't work out too well. And oh, and by the way, you're in your 50s. What kind of a chance at a new relationship do you have anyway? Oh, and by the way, and by the way, who are we paying attention to? Are we really paying attention to what our heart says is possible for us, or are we paying attention to those little voices? And you know what? One thing I realized is those little voices aren't even necessarily my voice. <laughs> Sometimes those little voices are the voices of my grandfather or, or my high school art teacher, people dead and buried long ago that maybe had their own agendas in what they said to me. They maybe had their own takes on life that may not have even been that positive. And so sometimes that little little doubting voice, that little voice of lack and limitation, that little voice, 
It isn't even something that you yourself created. It's kind of something that you inherited, and you're just kind of playing the tape a little bit. So my question today is, first of all, are we more spectator or are we more player? Are we more really out to do what we want to do, to experience what we want to experience? Are we really in this game with some certainty? Or are we just going to let it happen? Are we just going to let the, the tide of humanity wash over us and what's good for everybody else is going to be good enough for us? One of the things that Ernest Holmes talks about in this chapter is this idea of a thing called a race consciousness. And the way he described it is, if you averaged out every person's thoughts and beliefs and ideas, if you just kind of averaged it out, every uh, man, woman, child, even the animals that have consciousness in them, if you averaged out what everybody believes about the world, that's this idea of the consciousness of the human race. And what he says is that if you don't have particular goals, if you don't have particular beliefs, you will simply tend to inherit what everybody else believes. Now, in some cases, this is an all right thing. I mean, we, we have agreements pretty much that keep us safe around laws that we pretty much all agree with. We, you know, we have understandings of the way to get things done in the world, but you know, I can tell you just from looking at the newspapers lately around the political climate in America right now, I'm not sure that I just want to go along with what everybody else is doing. I'm not sure that I just want to take the chance that what is being advertised is what I really need. I'm not sure I want to take the chance that people's opinions of me are what I should be. I think I want to stand for something that is a little more unique, that is a little more personably aware of what my own goals are, what my own desires are, what my own preferences are. I don't think I want to be a spectator so much anymore. I don't think I want to just take in what the world is telling me that is true and, and saying, yeah, that's right for me. I want to examine it a little more. And I think to do this, we need to begin moving from this idea of the spectator more into the idea of being in it for real. That each thought counts, that each decision counts, uh, that what we really do and think and believe in the world matters, and so let's make it count. Here's how Ernest Holmes summarizes this idea from the science of mind. He says, This thing then works for us by working through us, and it is us always. It can't work for us in any other way. It spreads itself over the whole universe and shouts at us from every angle, but it cannot become power to us unless we recognize the power within us. He goes on to say, Therefore our belief sets the limit to our demonstrations of good. It is that principle which of itself is without limit, it is ready to fill everything because it is infinite, and so it is not a question of its willingness nor its ability, for it is infinite. It is entirely a question of our own receptivity and our own responsibility. Now, one of the other things that I learned from uh, watching TV that night a little bit is uh, some of the good players, I bet, had some... Uh, 
some real ideas of what was important to them to being on top of their game. And, uh, and I made a little list of some of what these were. Some of them, it was really obvious. They would just, in the interviews and things after the game, they'd come up right and said it. And one of them I think is true for all of us in the, this room. We have to be 100% committed. And so even if the first four, uh, you know, even if the first four minutes of the game, uh, whatever you're trying to accomplish ends up miserably, it isn't like, okay, well then never mind, right? <laughs> you're going to play this out. You need to be 100% committed to what you want to experience in life. If you want a new career, you can't give up after the first job interview goes poorly. If you want uh, someone new and, and long-term in your life in terms of a life partner, if the first date is a disaster, so what? Do you know what I mean? There's a requirement here that we be committed, really committed to those things that we want to experience in life, and then God simply will be behind us. When God sees, when God senses that there's no hesitation in us, that we're not wiffle-waffling, that we're not ready to give up, those kinds of things are the mixed signals that we can give God. Well, I sort of want this, but oh my gosh, maybe I don't, because last time I had it, I didn't do so well at it. Or the kind of mixed signals of, uh, well, I really would like to have more affluence in my life, but you know, with my education and my current job, it seems pretty unlikely. Those are the kind of real mixed commentary messages that will torpedo us every time. We need to be in our lives 100%. And by that, I mean an alignment between what we want to do, what we want to see, what we want to believe, and what we think about it. So that commentary can be a good thing. And in fact, uh, when I was at the sports bar, some of the commentaries, I went, you know, the player wouldn't mind hearing that, right? The, one of the commentaries says, you know, this young man is on a, a, a five-game winning streak and always rises to the occasion even when the game's difficult. And I thought, I want this commentator. <laughs> I want someone sitting on the back of my shoulder saying, you know, Larry's on a, on a five-year winning streak. It seems like everything he touches turns to gold. It seems like all the people that show up in his life are full of fun and love and joy. You know, those are the kind of commentators you want. And you can cultivate them. The second thing that I noticed was that the commenta commentating is one thing, but some action has to happen or there's no game, right? And so even as we're organizing our thoughts into more of what we want, we need to begin taking steps out in the real world, right? It's like God isn't just in our head. God is everywhere present, and we need to start taking advantage of that. And I, I was recalled one of the very first clients I had when I became a practitioner. And uh, she came to me and she said, you know, I have been alone for the last 20 years of my life. And I don't want to be that way anymore. I really would like to have a life partner. I would, I would like to experience the, the joy that I see in many of my couple friends. I really want to move in that direction. And so we did some prayer work together, and I gave her a little bit of homework around what her beliefs were about relationships. And sure enough, it had turned out that her parents had had kind of a, an unpleasant relationship, and her first marriage had some unpleasant elements in it. And we talked a little bit about it, and I said, you know, we have to be willing to believe that this time it can be different. And if there's a little piece of you that keeps saying, no, 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 
these things always end badly. <laughs> well, why would you want to try again? Do you know what I mean? And so I think we worked out the mental part of things. And, and then a couple of months later, she called and said, I need to have another meeting with you because nothing's happening. And I know you've been praying and I know I've been praying. And I even put in a, one of those green prayer request cards. And so I'm guessing the practitioners are praying for me and nothing's happened. And I, so she came in and we talked a little bit. I said, well, you know, I'm not really sure what's going on. Maybe you should describe to me what your day is like a little bit. Maybe that'll help. And she said, well, I go to work and uh, I'm usually kind of tired when I get home. And so I'll make myself dinner and uh, I'll have, uh, I'll watch TV. Um, and, you know, I might call one of my girlfriends on the phone and we'll talk a little bit and then I go to bed. And I said, well, what about meeting people? Because <laughs> what I know is, unless you're really thinking the UPS guy is going to come and <laughs> Not only bring you a package, but, you know, the package is a ring. <laughs> uh, do you know what I mean? We not only have to be clear in our minds about what we want, but we have to start taking the steps that would be necessary to ushering that reality that we want to choose into our lives. So the, the second thing that I learned ab about this from these uh, uh, sports folks is that our actions have to follow our thoughts. And in fact, um, one of the training things that I learned about is that a lot of times coaches will have their team members actually visualize the activity going perfectly well, whether it's a perfect pass or a perfect golf swing. And then after they visualized it, then they go practice. But the idea is first you create the beauty, the, the joy, the love that you want in your mind, then you take positive steps out in the world to practice it, if you will, for real. The third thing that I learned, and this one I have been guilty of before in my own life, and that is um, a little bit of self-sabotage can come into our lives if we're not ready to accept what we want. Have you ever really been making great strides in a job, in a, in a marriage, uh, in some activity that you really want to do, and you're really coming up to something that would signify the total success of it? So if it's a relationship, maybe you're really coming up to the proposal or getting married. If it's a job, maybe you're coming right up to the promotion. You've been doing everything well. You've been um, you know, making all of your sales quotients and, and doing everything you need to be an excellent employee, and you're right up to the promotion. And there's a little piece of you that just can't quite accept it. And you'll do something that just messes it up. I think this happens when there's that hesitancy in our lives that we're good enough to experience that thing. That self-sabotage, that, that uh, hesitancy, if you will, comes up when there's a little part of us. Maybe it's one of those commentary people that's sitting on our shoulders saying, you know, with your experience and your age, it's unlikely that you're going to get this job and then we'll do something to blow it. Or that little voice will say something about the unlikelihood of a successful marriage or, or how difficult it is to be a really good dad or whatever it is. And we internalize that. And we take a step backward and we don't get to experience that real joy, that, that heart's desire. 
how do we go about increasing these things? How do we go about making the commentary something that would benefit us instead of tearing us down? A little bit of homework for you this week. Now, I know we all have some commentary going along in our heads. It's like I have not met someone yet that didn't have those little voices back there that from time to time pop out and much in the way that the Monday morning quarterback says everything that should have gone right but didn't or, or even the one that's planning ahead for you, you know. If only this will turn out right, then your life will be okay, you know. Because the, the quarterback, that, that commentary goes either way. Sometimes it's about the past. If only you'd done this. If only your life would have been different. If only certain circumstances would be better, then you'd be happy. Um, and sometimes the commentary goes the other way, you know. I'll be happy when this finally happens. Or, or if something goes right in the future sometime, then I can be happy. Look at this commentary going on in your head. And your homework is just to decide, is it for you or is it against you? Because I think it's pretty much that clear. Is it allowing you to move forward in your goals? Is it saying things like, yes, he's on that five-year winning streak and everything that he touches turns to goals? You know, yes, you know, she's an excellent teacher and her students love her and the lesson plans she's doing are top-notch. Yes, he's a wonderful employee. He absolutely deserves a promotion and, and uh, all of his clients think he's doing a great job. You know, are these the messages you're getting? Or... Are they the self-defeating ones? I think that will be enough in terms of homework for this week. And next week, we're going to talk in some more specifics about how you can really turn this commentary into what you want. This week, awareness. Next week, we're going to get a little bit more curative about it. Fair enough? I'm going to close with another quote from this great book. And it's how he ends the second chapter here. He says, Let us begin to accept today more good than we experienced yesterday, and to know that we shall reap a harvest of fulfilled desires. The time must come when we shall have left the apparent evil and limitation behind, when it shall be rolled up like a scroll and numbered with the things which were only thought to be true. Let us realize and work with this sound knowledge and perfect faith that as high as we shall make our mark in mind and spirit, so high shall its outward manifestation be in this material world. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence in this universe. It is this thing that I call God. Ernest Holmes calls it the thing itself. And what I know about the thing itself is that it does its work by working through me. I accept this on this day, and I call myself 100% into this thing called my own life. And as it is true for me, I know it is true for each person in this room, that each person here takes full responsibility for their lives unfolding, allowing themselves to truly be that player instead of just a commentator, allowing themselves to be fully in integrity with thought and word and action, allowing themselves truly to find their heart's desire in real form through this application of changing our mind.
of truly aligning our thoughts with that which we choose to have, that we wish to have, that we are. And so it is with great gratitude that I acknowledge this certainty. I acknowledge this principle teaching. I also acknowledge God as present in this very room in the faces and the hearts and the hands and the minds of the people here. For God truly is everywhere present. I release this prayer into the activity and action of the law itself. I know that it is done and that it is good. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you very much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you very much.